Delilah. I have to do the honors. The honors. Hello. Sunday, October 8th, 8.52 p.m. The Bad Podcast. I'm Drew. And I'm Brett. And we have an awesome guest here today. <clears throat> Brian Barry. My fucking dude. Yeah, we're here. We're here. We finally got a podcast. You're finally on. Hell yeah. <laughs> First episode. Third episode. First. Fourth. Fifth. Fifth. <laughs> it is the fifth. It's funny because <laughs> my camera's usually here, so I like looked up during the intro to like be like, hi, I'm Brett. <laughs> like there's nothing there. Ah, oh, shit. Time to break bread for you guys. Yeah. yeah. Start up the incense. The ritual. We so got what has been the hardest cool. part starting this up besides like getting the technology together? Dude, te we just have tech diff. It's all in like after production. Mm. Post production rather. I like after production. <laughs> after production. <laughs> after we're totally done. <laughs> after work. <laughs> Some call it homework. No, but we had, dude, we had, we've hit a lot of hurdles here and we just mm. take them in stride. They might break a lot of people. Do you also have time on the Bridgewater like radio show, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Mm. There you go. Dude, that was nice. Did you know somebody who works there or something? Mia, Mia Sarkeesian. Yeah. Shout out. She's Shout probably out. listening. Yeah. She probably is, dude. She listens to all of them. Mm. Yeah, man. Yeah, mainly like tech difficulties, especially it, it's just frustrating because you plan to do something and you're like, all right, this should take about two hours and you end up being in the days. same spot like like 12 hours later and you're just like, I haven't done a single thing yet. Like I've just been dealing with these like these minor difficulties, but they, they just are basically huge roadblocks. Yeah, you'll learn in time, dude. Dude, mm. last week we spent Sunday, Monday and Tuesday getting that Chris episode out. It was just like Sunday and Monday were a wash. Just editing? Like eight hour work and we didn't get a thing done. Like I don't even remember what the technical difficulty was, but. Mm, so, yeah, I have no idea. It was like converting <laughs> the clips or something. Yeah, I, it was actually, um, I, oh, it was syncing up the multicam footage. Mm. So like trying to get the audio to automatically sync up with the video and nothing was working right. We all got our bucket hats on. Yup, it's the funky hat episode. Yeah. <laughs> Just out of the blue decided to do this. We all got boonie hats. Dennis Beaches. Dennis Beaches. National Guard, fuck yeah. DBB, yeah. yours is on backwards, buddy. Keep on sideways. He's a Vietnam vet. <laughs> so, Brian, you go to a different university than all of the other guests we've had so far. I do. I go to Westfield State. I'm about to graduate after this semester. One more left, four classes, so it's pretty pretty relaxed so far, living with three other guys this, this semester too, which has been fun. But mm. for the most part, it's pretty straightforward, just trying to get out of there and see where life takes me in the next couple of years. Do you see yourself as like sticking around Westfield? Like do you, you've definitely become well acquainted with the area. Yeah, I, I like Western Massachusetts, but I think that, thank you, um, I think that less, the next couple of years I'm going to be bouncing around and hopefully going out west again and hopefully maybe even going to another country and working and doing some research before I set my eyes on graduate school. But just trying to be young, you know, like these jobs, like I was talking about earlier, like these jobs of being a guide somewhere or like just live, doing odd jobs here and there, like you, you gain experience that way. And it's a, it's a type of experience that many people don't, they, they rush right into graduate school or something like that. And they, they force themselves into a career path and, and I'm not trying to do that right now. I'm trying to be 22 years old and, and young and mm. live life to the edge, you know? Absolutely. Dude, That's we've been going to school so long. 
Like, think about it. Like, we've been in school our whole lives. Everything you know has revolved around some sort of education. So I personally far. need to come out and, like, reprioritize. And just, like, because right now I'm just, like, I'm not drifting. I still work for school. But there's not that fire that there should be with, like, going mm. to get upper-level education. Hmm. That's yeah. why I took a semester off. It's just, like, <clears throat> I needed a break. I needed to get away for a little while. Because being in school for most of your life, you you have no idea what it's like outside. Yep. Mm. It's wild, yeah. I'm sure it makes you appreciate being in school more. Yeah. Yeah, and, and with my withdrawal form, was it, I attached like a readmission form, so I knew I was coming right back in. Chris, the same was the same way, even though all our friends were kind of skeptical if Chris was going to come back or not, but <laughs> he ended up coming back, and yeah, now we're just finishing up. Mm. Tell us about that trip you took. <clears throat> Jeez. So my roommate Chris and I, shout out Chris, we took a semester off um, our second semester of junior year, and we, we decided to take take a little trip um, we ended up spending four and a half months on the road um, we spent a lot of time in Colorado California um, the southwest like Utah and all there we developed a lot of good relationships and friendships and I mean hopefully that's when I graduate I can still I can still they can still hold me down and we can potentially live live together again but yeah it was worthwhile it was I needed a break away that's awesome man yeah coming from the outside you are a different person going in and coming out Really? Totally, dude. Yeah? Not total. Obviously, you're still Brian. But, like, you were just much more, like, the bullshit didn't get to you. Like, you, you saw through more things, and you were just, like, I don't know, you picked your pro- you pick, you're more picked your problems. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, man, maybe. I learned a lot, dude. Like I said, like, that street, that's those street experiences, and those those are what I'm trying to gain in the it's next It's like common sense, years. dude. Yeah. Yeah, just, just getting people to trust you. and Street smarts. Yeah. And that street smarts involves like having a deep understanding of how to like get gain trust from people, Mm. how to work with people, how to you know how to empathize with people, and that that goes a long way. And like the next couple years and this trip that I just went on involved that as just developing myself and losing some ego. You know, Mm. what's your formula for gaining somebody's trust? (laughs) Why? I mean, you have to know who they are. You, I don't know. That's a that's a fucking fucked up question. Huge dude. question. <laughs> <laughs> fucked up question. How, so Brian, how do you decide who to and not to trust on a daily basis? I, I feel know. like the answer is to trust. It's just way. like I usually when I meet somebody, I I like kind of submit to them at first, and I hear them out and try not to. <laughs> I I just observe them and try to ask some pointing mm. questions. I don't know. Just hear Listen. them out. Hear what and try to find common ground. It's kind of it's kind of cliche, but that's kind of how it goes. No, but a lot of people don't even like listen. Like they meet someone else and they're like, "I want to tell you my whole life story." Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like, "What's this dude want to talk about?" Right. Mm. Yeah. And like when you actually listen, you can ask that question that the person's wait been waiting to hear, and all of a sudden they're like, "Wait, what? Like, yeah. You want to hear about that?" And it's like, "Yeah, I'm interested." Right. Do you guys see yourselves doing like a a trip in the next couple of years or when you graduate? Undoubtedly, I personally need one. You have a year left of school, right? A full yeah. year? Yeah. Yep. It's a very easy year. Like, next semester, I have two classes. Yeah. Although, it's Calc 3 of Metaphysics, so. Fuck. It's the hardest class. It's like, it's all come to this. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Pearson. At least you have only two classes to focus on. That's just it. The hard classes, I'll, like, totally just have the mind space to just kill them. Hmm. Like, Dr. Pearson, he's my lo- he was my symbolic logic professor. Dude, that man's classes are so insanely difficult. Yeah. It, it, just, it just shows you, like... He just shits on America's, like, schooling system. Like, he's like, 
It's like, oh, you guys don't even learn grammar anymore. Like, and it's just like, wow, he's right. <laughs> it, it's yeah. a whole new level of schooling. Yeah. Let's go swap your camera so we can see it. Right. No worries. Drew, what, what's your plan for the next like year after you graduate? Big question mark, man. I've been thinking of grad school. I have. I have like a job lined up where if I wanted to, I could get a grad assistant job and just stay at Bridgewater for, for those two years, get my grad degree. But um, at the same time, like Brett said, I kind of want to take a year off and refocus. I just, like I can't picture diving into another two years of school after I graduate with my undergrad. I don't know, I, I do want to take a trip. I would like to take a trip. And I think if I were to take a break in between undergrad and grad school, it would be with like a nice road trip like that. Mm, yeah. And that was something funny too, when you were saying going out West, I feel like there's a lot of people in our friend group that have the desire to go out West. Dude, it's there's like, it's this voyeuristic spirit. It's yeah. like everyone who's in like the West, it's like, just keep going West. Like <laughs> it's just though like, I don't know, it's some like yeah. search. Inside. You get it when you're out there though. Like you understand why people want to go West. Cause once you're submerged in that culture, people are, people like live differently, man. People have passions. Mm. Like you meet girls out there and they, they're not just like, they, they have passions for rafting or, or mountain biking. Mm. Like they, they're like well-rounded human beings. They, they understand how to be friendly and like common courtesies and stuff like that. And when you're out here, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to generalize everybody on the East or the West, but when you're out here and you ask a girl, like, what do you do? Like, what do you do for fun? A lot of the times they're shallow answers, you know, like mm. you can't really connect with them on a deep level. Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of the people around here, not even just like a deep level, but there's, I feel like it's just a, a colder environment, not like, I mean, Literally. also in temperature, but like, yeah. there's just like a general, I don't know, like, like apathy here. Like you, I feel like there's a lot of anger and traffic, like, like you drive around in Massachusetts, people are just like flipping each other off, like honking on the horns. <laughs> and like when we went up to Maine, totally different. Mm. That's totally out there different. too, though. That's everywhere. LA is the same way, like. Mm. You're out of frame, Drew. I'll move in. Beautiful. I think that it's something to do with, like, just how much we're inside around here. Like, even though it's beautiful, like, especially the, especially the South Shore, there's just nothing to do. <laughs> like, the spot between Boston and the Cape is just, like, a shithole, man. Like, just flat. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> There's blue hills. It's just, like, 300 feet. Like, 200 steps and you're up it. I know. Dude, you know, I actually, like, I was, I was in my sandals, my running sandals, and I ran up it one day. And I was at the top, and all of a sudden, dude, a rattlesnake was right in front of me. And I was bare, like basically barefoot. I had sandals on, and I was like, "Holy shit! Like, it's real out here." My cell phone is in the car. Like at Blue Hills. Yeah, yeah. Our Dude, professor a told us that they stalked rattlesnakes at Blue Hills. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know. I don't know. Fun weekend activity. They just wanted to like regulate a population yeah, no, there. You. That's it. It is funny though how we as humans like are like, let's put these killers back in the environment. I know. There's this little place called the Quabbin Reservoir near Westfield. And they wanted to make like a little rattlesnake sanctuary on this little island. And there was this town vote and no one said they, everyone said they didn't want it. And, but the scientists and all like the wildlife managers were like, no, like there's no way. Their range is like so far and you live so much farther away. There's no way. And they, everyone still voted no. So like uh, vote for rattlesnakes. <laughs> Do you want rattlesnakes in your area? <laughs> mm, yes, please. <laughs>
I want to wash my foot with every step. I just picture like like some old white dude at the booth, like my tax dollars, <laughs> like going to baby rattlesnakes. <laughs> how's uh how's like nightlife here in your senior year? Do you see yourself like do you see your friend group like expanding a lot this year? Oh, not so really much. expanding, dude. But it's driving deeper. Oh well, no, we have we have met a it's lot of both. New I feel. But yeah. we're also all like really getting to know a lot of the people who we've known for this whole time. Yeah, mm. you guys thrown down here at all, or because last year this house was kind of like a party house, wasn't it? Mm. Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, we kind of edge on the side of caution there because <laughs> because of that, like we don't we don't want to be the next house in the newspaper where like forty people get arrested. Like we have friends over, but I like when I when I want to go party. I'd rather just like rally a group here and then go hit the streets and go to like a friend's house or something, you know, that way we don't have to even worry about hosting it. Right. Yeah. Our house is, we have been living with four other dudes and we had our first party the other day. And I mean, last year you guys were both at my house. I'm pretty sure we lived above our landlords, so we weren't able to really have do much, but this year our roommates were used to throwing parties. So they, we all talked together and we were like, yeah, let's do it. And by 1030, like the cops were there and, Oh, it was mm. it was that that type of night. That type of night, yeah. Yeah, the thin blue line. <laughs> <laughs> and then the cops. We were watching the night the following night, like Saturday night. We were watching a movie in our house, and two people were sleeping in the living room where we were watching the movie. And then flashlights started shining on our ceiling, and we were we were kind of like, "Is that lightning?" And we look outside, and it's police. And they were telling <laughs> us to come outside. We walk outside, and he's like. He's like, yeah. How many people do you have in there? And we're like, we're we're like watching, fucking like <laughs> no <Earth>. country for <laughs> old man. Like, what are you talking about? And he was like, no, like you're bullshitting. How many how many people do you have in there? And we're like, dude, we promise you, we don't we don't shit. And he was like, all right, like keep it down. Like we can hear you from down the street. And we're like, dude, down the street. Yeah, the guys, everyone. We live in a residential area, so everyone around us like doesn't fuck with us at all. But we're right. trying to reach out. And like if we see him outside, we walk up to them and be like. Hey, if, like, call us if you need anything. If we're, we're trying to reason with you, so if we're loud, like, call us before the mm. police. If you don't mind, mm. that type of shit. Yeah, it's pretty much the same level here. I mean, I've met all of the neighbors around here at this point, and they've all been nothing but kind. I mean, the the people across the street. There was one time we had like a little get together, and I I was going to work the next morning, and she was like, "Oh, you have a little party last night?" And I just asked her. I was like, "Oh, sorry, were we too loud?" She was like, "No, not at all. Listen." You don't have to worry about us at all. Like, we've we've never heard a peep from you guys, and even if we did, like, there's no way we would we would ever call the cops on you. That would just be a dick move. Right. So it was really cool to to like level with them on that front. And then the neighbors on the side, super cool, keep to themselves. As well as the lady on the other side of us, she's she seems like a a really zen old lady. You know. Yeah, she's got like that. She's zen got like the zen garden. Like she goes out and meditates. She's really cool. One time I was actually working out in the backyard. I was on the rings and she just came in and like parked her car and she she like walked up to us and she was like, oh, right about now, all the anti-pot people will be at the town hall voting like something to try to ban it in Bridgewater. And I was like, what? Really? She was like, yeah, yeah, there's there's a couple people who are crybabies about weed being legalized and they might like try to strike it down. But like I'm on the committee that that's trying to like push for it. So there's no way they'll pass it. That's cool. And I was just like, wow, you're really cool. I didn't know a town could override a state. Like I knew state could override federal, but I didn't know it mm. went all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> Do you it, say that more cops are on campus than there are for the actual city of Bridgewater? 
I don't know that they, statistic, they, but they, I would I presume that's pretty in line. Yeah. I think there's definitely more per like square foot. Like I see tons <laughs> of cops. I see tons of cops on campus and I rarely see them excuse me, I rarely see them around here. Except for when they're like flying down the street with their lights on. Dude, they do. They fly. Mm. That's mean, like the most dangerous thing on campus is getting hit with like twice some cop like, like twice <laughs> I've, I've had close calls Yo, didn't you tell me a story of some cop you were like crossing a sidewalk or something yeah dude i was literally crossing to go to the gym and i was just like walking had my headphones on and all of a sudden to my right up the hill the cop just turns his lights on and i'm just like i just look to my side and like i was just like taken aback for a minute a little shocked so i just like froze and i just like i was like he's coming right for me and then i like just like powered to the other side and he just like whipped off on the side and just gets out dude it was tepper dame drop and he was like shout out yeah. tepper yeah it's drew's it's drew's rival <laughs> he, searched your house or he searched my uh my dorm sophomore year gotcha. for Literally no reason. Actually, I allowed him to search it. He asked yeah, permission. Yeah, told me that. And I was just like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Like, I, whatever, I'll help you out if, you, if I can. And went inside. Was like, ha, ha, he had this like nice guy act on the whole time. And he just needed me to sign some papers for him to search the room. And as soon as the pen hit the paper, he like, the f switch just flipped. And he was like, all right, now I'm an occupying force of this room. And I'm going to treat you like shit. He was ruthless, dude. For two hours, he was like, he was questioning me. He pulled us all in different rooms, and he was just asking us all the same questions. And I, I wasn't letting him search through my uh, safe, which he was really offended by. I mean, I won't go through the whole story because it's super long. I'm sure at one point on this podcast we'll get into it. But it basically, he's just like, why won't you let me go through your safe? And I was like, I don't know. I just don't like the thought of random people going through my things. And I was like, don't you have that element of privacy in your life? He was like, not at all. I have nothing to hide. <laughs> Also, that's a, like a weird question that I, I think it's like a funny question that he comes up and asks you at your house. Like, how many people do you have here? Like, yeah, I feel like the answer to that question would be none of your concern. Yeah. Like, you know? like that night that we got busted at 1030, he there was this cop and he was super reasonable. And he was like, tw like probably around 30 years old. And he was like, listen, man, if I wasn't on the job, like I'd be at this party right now. Trust me. Like, I'm not trying to be here and bust your balls. We we're like, we we're like, dude, that's cool. And then he started to walk away. He was like, just keep it down. We we're like, cool. And then the lieutenant walked up the driveway at the same time, and he was like, all right, guys, how many people you have here? And we were like, dude, everyone's leaving. Like, there's 40, 50 people. And he's like, yeah. And he was like, well, let's go, go, let's go take a look. And he starts to walk inside. And Chris and I get in front, and we're like, dude, you're not going in our house right now. What do you, what do you think? And he's like, no. Oh, well, everyone out then. He's like, everybody out. He's like, and we were like, really, man. And he, he busted us. And then at the end of the night, like we kind of, <laughs> at the end of the night, we kind of talked to him and he was teaching us something. He was, he kept saying like, I'm trying to, I'm here to educate you. And we started like talking to him and saying like, what if, if you, Chris was like, if you, would you let you in your house? Like if you were like this badass yeah. cop, like, like yes. you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, reason with us. Like. We don't want you in our house. You know that. <laughs> He's got nothing to I'm hide. trying to yeah. educate you. It's like, sorry, yeah. I don't recall registering for this class. It's bullshit. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. Dude, yeah. they just get the, like, the go-ahead to just do whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, to an extent. Like, well, they, they give themselves the go-ahead by, like, implying it with you. Like, where he's like, all right, let's go in. Like, he, he's saying, let's go in, because he's, like, waiting for you to be like, uh, okay, because he can't, like, he's like a vampire or something, like, he can't go in unless invited, mm. but they won't, they won't tell you that. It, it's just so weird where, like, oh, you're not coming to my house, and he's like, oh, really? All right, we'll kick everyone out, because then, I mean, 
it's so weird because you don't know how you react in the moment because there's a lot of pressure on you. Right. Same but like with the podcast. Really what yeah, really what you should be doing at that point is you're like, okay, no to the first question of going in and also no to kicking everyone out because this is my home. Hmm. Like But we, if there's a noise complaint, like they can legally do that, I think. And he told us that he if there's a noise complaint and they they warn us or whatever, and then there's another noise complaint about the music or whatever, they have the right to seize your, your stereo system. They, oh my they can God. take your shit out of your house straight, mm. straight my up. My bows. <laughs> <laughs> and they're probably not gentle either. <laughs> <laughs> the bass. It's all about that bass. It's, it's so weird, dude. It's like, I don't know, it's a gross like feeling to think about someone just because they have the, the uniform on, just with no probable cause, just being like, all right, I'm coming in. Right. Mm. You know? It's weird, man. There's something about leveling with cops too, though. Yeah. Absolutely. Where like, even when you know that you don't have to do something, like you, like how you said, you let him search your room. Yeah. Because you're like, I got nothing to hide. Like, I'll comply with you because. Yeah, that's the thing. I never, like right off the bat, <clears throat> I'm always super polite to cops because I know at the end of the day, they're just doing their job. Hmm. And like, if they get called to a house, they have to go there and they have to at least put some iota of effort into, you know, investigating the situation. So like, you know, I'm going to let them do what they have to do. It's when they, I don't, I just don't like when they have that, like that stereotypical attitude, which not even a majority of them have because probably 75% of the cops that I've met on campus have been super nice, super respectful. And they actually, you can tell they care about the safety of the students and they really just want to make it like a better environment, but they just get completely overshadowed by the small number of cops that just get off on like ruining someone's day. So it, it kind of gives them a bad name. It's crazy how if you if you do have a party of like 50 plus people and they catch somebody who's not 21 coming out the door, how liable you are for all mm. that stuff. And he was threatening to like, he was like, I could arrest you right now if I want to. He's like, we just busted some kid. We made him dump all his beers out. And we were trying to reason with him like, dude, there's no way we can ID everybody at the door. Like, And he was like, oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And like, he's kind of right. Like, mm. But but realistically you're not going to do that and people come who people come we invite our friends and with them they invite their friends who aren't 21 necessarily so it's just it's impossible to regulate that type of shit mm. <laughs> what are you going to stop people at your house party like id yeah cause, like what do you expect man like you yeah. to kick everyone out who's 21 it's not going to happen that's the thing too is when they uh when this house got busted 2 years back they they said the reason for their entry was because they visually ID'd underage drinkers in the house when they looked through the window. So basically what they're saying is like they looked inside and could tell that they were underage drinkers. But That's like, bullshit. Obviously, they didn't ID anyone. They just – like I, I don't even understand how that flies on paper. Like Dude, we this were, place was – they had – there was going to be no fighting no. at them entering no. this place, though. This place threw down and threw down and threw down and threw down. And they kept bopping it. This place? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I hope we're not on their radar anymore. There was there was one point where we had someone try to break into the household we were living here, and uh, we called the cops on them. And they, they just totally, like, brushed us aside and disregarded it. They were like, oh, you guys are just misunderstanding. He's trying to, like, you know, get into your house and hang out. Like, he's hanging out with you. Like, he just wants to go to your party. And we were like, mm, no, because the lights were out, and everyone left, and he still tried to break in. So I feel like... There's no misunderstanding, <laughs> but that's the thing. Like as a college student living in a town and especially living in a neighborhood surrounded by 
I guess you would say like actual adults or like townies, they, there's just this, I don't know, they, they don't take you seriously. They really don't. And a lot of the townies just hate the students here. You know, they hate all like, the college kids. What are we going to do, though? Like, the school pushes us right off campus. That's the problem. Like, it's like nothing, no fun, no anything. Like, stay out. And then, so everyone moves off campus. And then it goes into the neighborhoods. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, kids are walking to and from house parties. And they're peeing in people's backyards. And, like, the town people get pissed at it. But they also don't want kids drinking on campus. So, yeah, like, you can't have it both ways. Well, the thing is, like, the, the university isn't really concerned much with what goes on in the surrounding town. Because I feel like what they're just worried about is getting their arrest numbers down on campus and getting their alcohol violation numbers down. Because then they're just like, oh, we had this many less arrests this year. Like, where the numbers going down? There's less crime. But that's not necessarily true. They're just, they're just pushing it into the surrounding area. And it's just like, it's getting worse and worse. I feel like if they, if they allowed some sort of drinking for people of age on campus where the cops are still out in force, but their job is not to arrest you for alcohol, just to make sure that you're not taking advantage, like you're not, you're not abusing it, and you're not putting yourself in a dangerous situation. Yeah, literally. And that's the thing too is when, when you put this like blanket over drinking in college, and say like, oh, this is a dry campus, people don't drink here. That's bullshit. You can't just say it's a dry campus and therefore students won't drink. People are still going to drink, but now it's against the rules, so they're going to be less likely to call an ambulance if someone's having alcohol poisoning because they don't want to get them in trouble. Very true. Even if there's that law that, that if you're calling to report something that's a medical emergency where they, they say no one's liable for, I don't know. It's like this weird thing where if you call for the safety of someone else, I feel like you're, you're basically just removed from trouble. But even at that point, I feel like people are going to be more hesitant than if it was just allowed. Yeah, instead, like if you call instead of like, being like, oh, this this kid's like not doing well. I'm gonna stay here and watch over him. Now you're like, I'm gonna call and I'm gonna get out of here because I can't deal with these people. Because then all of a sudden now I'm at like somehow mm -hmm. like they suspect me. Yeah. Yeah. Alcohol in college is weird, man. There's so many liabilities. Dude, kids take it too far though. At the <laughs> same do. time, mm -hmm. I really think it all stems around like parental education. Like in my house, like. Like, I'm not going to say my mom pushed alcohol, but it's like, oh, you want, like, a sip of wine? Like, go ahead. Like, mm. it's not like this, like, no! Mm. Just cultural tolerance, too. Like, how, like we start to drink at, like, like, junior, senior, high school, and if you don't, it's probably freshman, sophomore, or college, you know? Yeah. And that's, you're exposed to it, and that's, like, the peak of when most kids do their drinking. So people just go fucking crazy, dude. Like, you know how many freshman girls I've seen, like, just obliterated like dangerously obliterated Dan dude dangerous yeah and it makes sense because if it happens if it happens on campus it's probably the college is probably liable for some of that you know i don't know i don't know the logistics behind it but but it makes sense that they would be super super strict but there's there's some reasoning that has to be done for sure yeah i i feel like that's the thing like i had a uh, my parents were always very strict when it came to stuff like that but then around my junior year of high school they really dramatically let up and kind of just let me have my freedom. So, yeah, I made the same mistakes that everyone probably does when they first start drinking, but they were so much smaller in scale than what could happen here if you just come in as like, like never having that freedom and all of a sudden, boom, 
you have that independence and you can just do whatever you want. And it's like you get that little dopamine shot because mom and dad always said no and now they ain't here. And mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want and it's yeah. naughty and it feels so much better now. Yeah. yeah. Like, forbidden fruit. Personally, I've never blacked out because like I just don't see that's not what drinking is to me. Like drinking is like this. Like we sit here, we talk, we have a couple beers, like eat some food, whatever. It's like you can drink with dinner. It's not like, oh, I only drink to get fucked up. Yeah. Like I only drink to have fun, to lose. A lot up. of people do. Right, yeah. A lot of they, and that's an unhealthy relationship with a substance. Mm. Yeah. It was weird. Last so last night I was telling you guys about that that woman who asked me to smoke like late in her car, you know what I'm saying? And it was like this big like conspiracy to go around like my family and like go undercover and smoke with her. But I'm I don't usually do that. I usually smoke normally in my house like before the gym or something like that i'll just like puff on something and it was so weird to like treat the drug like it was illegal again you know mm -hmm. like, to go around that was yeah. strange that was super strange it's fun though isn't it yeah it, is. it really is yeah it used to be fun now yeah, to that's, like that's go through all that <laughs> social manipulation yeah i feel like people aren't gonna understand like like don't get me wrong i don't think there's there the positives do not outweigh the negatives of prohibition on weed but there was a really fun element of like, like you're in school with your friends and you're like, yo, guys, after school today, we're going to get together, roll up a joint. And people are just like, oh, ho, ho, count me in. Like you're, like you're just, you're bad. Dude. It's, it, it's just people like breaking the rules. Because like I said, you get that little dopamine shot. It feels mm. good. People aren't going to understand that later. They're just going to be like, yeah, smoking weed. Shut up. Whatever. Yeah, once the culture <laughs> accepts it, once it's like, like the big mommy and daddy called the government, are like <laughs> you can have that. Then there's no, then there's no sting to it anymore. There's no, or like, there's no nothing you get out of it. It's like, oh, mm. I can have that, and that's not fun. Then right. <laughs> move to heroin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the snowball effect. Dude, personally, people call weed a gateway drug. There is no bigger gateway drug than alcohol. I'll tell you Facts. right now, dude. Facts. When you're drunk, when you're, you'll like, you'll do absolutely anything. your guard is down. Mm. Whereas weed, you're like, whoa. <laughs> if you're stoned, you're like, what is it? I ain't taking that. What is that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. defining something as a gateway drug is kind of strange because if I didn't do weed, I don't know if I would have done like mushrooms or something like that. You mm. know, so it kind of is, but deeming it, even if it is, like that doesn't mean you need to discredit weed for like all it's, yeah. all the good that it has. Yeah, I agree. It, I feel like if you're asking the the question, is marijuana a gateway drug? I'd say absolutely. But I'd say that tobacco is a huge gateway drug. Tobacco paves the way for addiction. Absolutely. Same as alcohol. They're both way more addicted than weed. And not only that, but if we're going to talk about gateway drugs, food can be a drug too. Just sugar. Yeah. Shopping. Literally sugar. Like you can, you can set yourself up for an addictive personality by by being completely sober in your entire waking life, but just making other bad decisions. Dude, I was waiting for Chris to pay at that stop and shop the other day or the big Y. And I was looking at baby formula and it was like, there was like 29 grams per serving of sugar in baby formula. Get him started young. Yeah. I'm like, what the dude, fuck? Dude, that's a travesty, man. That is a travesty, dude. That's unbelievable. Like you're just setting mm. them up from the very <laughs> get go to be, a, mm. and to be addicts. It's fucked up. Yeah. Like, you think a baby needs that type of sugar, dude? <laughs> no. No one needs that type of sugar. <laughs> yeah, nobody does. <laughs> Never mind, like, something this big. That's almost a full serving for an adult, like, male. Yeah. Is that really what it was? 29 grams? It was like 26 or 29 oh grams. Oh, my God. Dude, 26 grams is the recommended daily intake for, I'm pretty sure, the average human. 
Yeah, I love how they like like in the food pyramid, like they put sweets in there. Like it's like your your daily value. You should have a little bit sweets. <laughs> yeah, it's like right. I think it's right in the like the. Oh no, it's at the very top of the triangle. I think. Really? Yeah, because it's like the thing you're supposed to have the least of, but like. You can still have <laughs> but have some. And why is bread at the bottom? Why is the pyramid built on carbs? That's what you're supposed to eat. Like supposed to by nature or by what we think we're supposed because to Because you're eat. a peasant and you're going to eat rice from now on. <laughs> Potatoes. Yeah, like, all right. Make your diet mainly consist of bread, grains, rice, pasta, all that shit. Try to fit in a little bit of veggies, maybe some protein. And, and milk. And milk, I think. Don't we transition a conversation? Uh, I wanted to hit this Vegas thing. What happened in Vegas recently? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) What do you guys think of it? Like, how do you think gun laws are gonna gonna progress? Or like, do you think that do you think that there was a mental issue or multiple shooters? Because there are conspiracies that there are multiple shooters now. Mm. I don't know much about it. I've seen a lot of the videos. I've read, I've skimmed actually like some of the articles, but I mean, from what I can gather, it really reflects a lot of the the shooting culture in the U.S. But it's definitely by far the worst. So like, I don't know, I don't know what precedent this will set for the U.S. But one thing I noticed that was really funny about the news when this happened was it was it was just so weird. All of the like more conservative leading news shows were just like, all right, like this is a huge tragedy and and this is not the time to talk about gun laws. Like this is the time to grieve and this is the time to, you know, set so they're they're like basically just trying to push it off. Just like this is not the time to talk about it. But then in the same newscast, the lady was like, and how was he able to get all these guns past the hotel security? Like that we should be really looking at reforming hotel security. Yeah, that's not like if this is not the right time to be talking about gun laws, then why is it the like you're telling me that the proper reaction to that would be like, all right, we really got to crack down on yeah. hotel security. And that's guns. bullshit because like it's so easy to sneak guns in through a hotel. They don't check your bags, number one, and that's it. That's all you got to do. Just break the guns down and put them in your bag. It's super simple, dude. It's I'm pretty sure you could walk by with a gun bag on your back through a hotel lobby and no one would say anything. <laughs> It's it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and that's and not the same. Plus, I think it was 15. 15. Dude, something that Sean said the other day, which really interests me, was he said that like bump stock. Yeah, they're bump stocks, dude. He wasn't actually using fully automatic weapons because it's actually like the news paints it to be like, oh, you pull this pin and it's fully automatic, but it's not like that at all. He was actually using like all these like aftermarket pieces so that he could make them into semi-automatic. Were they all legal? It was all legal bumpers. Like for those who don't know what a bump stock is, is it's it's the stock of the gun that goes up against the arm, and essentially it allows the gun like a couple inches of movement. So what you do is you keep your finger on the trigger, so the whole gun moves and it repeatedly hits the trigger. So the whole gun is moving and it's making it into a, a an automatic rifle, even though it's semi-automatic. Yeah, so it it's totally subverts gun laws because, like, you, you could have like a semi-automatic twenty-two and make it like fully automatic. I had no idea. Those are probably going to move to being illegal after this incident, right? I I don't know, man. I hope so. It's like it's funny because it could be like if it's in Las Vegas, but then like say the only the state, uh, Nevada, yeah, say Nevada does it. What about the rest of the country? Or is it going to be a federal thing with conservative in office, right? Whole conservative like Congress. I don't know. I don't know if we'll see more. 
What do you or gun laws? Oh, gun laws in general. Oh, yeah, I was talking to my uncle about this yesterday. I'm not sure, man. There's there's a lot of touchy shit going on because you obviously don't want all these high power rifles being easily accessible to the public. Even, but then you do, you know. Mm. But, but then you're like, why not? Because we all, we all have this right. The Second Amendment allows you to protect yourself against like a malicious government and all that. But it does also allow you to carry them in your home, mm. which is around other homes, and and this shit happens. Like these these incidents happen, and this guy didn't seem like he was he was struggling with any psychological issues or anything like that. I mean, obviously, he was because anyone who does this is battling that shit. But as far as family. Um, testimonies go. He would. He didn't have a history with anything, so mm. it it seemed to catch all his family and friends, but um, off guard. Yeah, which is the scariest part because no one saw it coming. And there's a testimony by his brother. If anybody like hasn't seen that, you should check that out. I saw that. That shit's crazy, man. The guy was just like the camera. Every all the interviewers and reporters were asking questions, and he was like, "Dude, there's no way any of us saw this coming." Like. Like, they were like, what do you think of this? And his brother was like, well, my brother just killed 50-something people, and then he killed himself, so no one saw it coming. My mom, he bought my mom, like, something the other day, and we all, like, were in good spirits, and then the shit happens, like, there's no way you can even prep for it. Mm. Like, that's the scary part, is like, what the hell started this? Like, why? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm Dude, as far as gun laws, I'm so in the middle, because there's always, like, an ebb and flow of, like, I'll see something that'll push me in one direction, but then I'll think of something else that, that I don't know, I, I always stay like somewhat moderate, and I know that moderate is like really relative depending on what everyone else feels, but like, I don't know. I, I'm one to hate censorship of anything, where I just feel like if you give the government the power to tell you what you can and can't have, and obviously there have to be exceptions, like you can't let people have bombs and shit, but it, I don't know, it's so it's so weird. It's such a weird issue because we're one of the few, I shouldn't say few, but we're one of, we are one of the few countries, I guess, that have these really loose gun laws. And I think that the best balance is to just have, like, fucking harsh background checks. Because there's a lot of places where you, you don't, basically the background check isn't dick, you know? You just walk in and buy a gun. It's true that, like, it's much easier to get a gun in the Midwest, correct? Absolutely. Dude, yeah, maybe you can walk in. You don't need a, you know, you just need to show them your ID. Are you sure? Yeah, that you're 21. I'm almost positive that you can just walk in and buy a gun. Dude, my grandpa always is like, purposeful. Dumb. Uh, I don't know, man. I really don't know about that. Because I, I, my grandpa says he's had the worst, the worst, like, experiences with, main, with the main, like, yeah, environmental police. Because they're just, because it's such a popular hunting state that... They just yeah, have to be thing. so. What trouble does he have, like with with license checking? Yeah, he was telling me that he went in with a with a um, pistol permit from Massachusetts, and they were like, "No, we ain't taking that." And he's like, "I had like it, it transfers." And I don't know exactly the story, but even just like buying it with a permit from Massachusetts, they're almost going to say no. Yeah, yeah, because in um in Massachusetts, I believe it's called it's a license to carry, and that that goes for any guns. It sounds like a pistol permit. But it's actually for all guns. So like he was going up there by a shotgun thing. He's like, nope, this is a pistol permit. That's what it was. He's like, no, this is like the umbrella thing in Massachusetts. And they were like, nope, nope. And then finally, like he called like the mass, like I mean, I'm sorry, the main like fish and wildlife. And they were like, yeah, no, that's exactly, yeah, you can buy that. 
I'd have to double check that. But I heard that Maine was pretty pretty straightforward. If you're if you're at age, you can just purchase a rifle or a or a handgun. If not Maine, then definitely a vast majority of the states. Yeah, out west, man, it's it's super easy to acquire a, a firearm. I don't like Utah. To me, it's just like to, something about Utah's. I'm to, I'm just thinking. I'm like, there's a lot of people with a Dude, lot of guns out there. You can have an eighth of weed in Colorado. Drive an hour into Utah, and that weed is legal in, in Colorado. And then you can be sentenced to like five years in prison or two to five years in prison for that same amount of weed. It's fucking crazy. You cross an imaginary line. Yeah, it's just wild. And like, we stopped at a liquor store in Utah, and. We, we were checking out beers, and no beer can be over, like, 4.2% or something like that, like, legally. But they also serve hard alcohol and vodka and whiskey, you know. It's just, like, super inconsistent. And when and that's a big lesson that this trip taught me is, like, this, this country is so much bigger than people realize. And regulating all these laws and being consistent throughout the whole country with all these rules and regulations is impossible. This country is way too big to have everybody under one federal government. Way too big. California alone should be a country. Mm. I heard it, I read that it's the fifth largest economy. California alone is the fifth largest economy in the world over wow. France. Wow. Yeah. They're like GDP. What do you guys think of like secessionism? Like allowing the state to freely vote and say we do not we no longer be one of the United States. Mm. We want to be a country. Exactly. What, like, should should Texas be able to vote on it and say we're not a part of the American? I mean, if you respect democracy, I think you I think you have to allow it, right? That's what's that kind of happening in Spain right now. Spain. That's been crazy, dude. You watching that? Yeah, well, I saw it in the fucking Flippin' Burger place today or whatever. Yeah. On TV. Yeah, they're trying to succeed. Yeah, man. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't have any qualms with it if that's what the majority of people want and if they're doing it legally and like. Hopefully peacefully, but even if it's a little violent, like sometimes that's how it goes. If you want progress, like look at American history. A lot of American history involves a lot of violence. Martin Luther King did his thing, but uh, Malcolm X also did his, and they did it two different ways. But they're both they both progressed civil rights, whether it was violently or not. Mm. Yeah, that, honestly, that's a great point. Sometimes you need it, and that's that's okay. Yeah, that's something people are so afraid. To like do any sort of like bad for in the name of good, it's like you're either a pacifist or a bad guy, and I don't think that's the case. Like, I think that there's something to like keeping your weapons sheathed, like having your weapons. But mm, that's the noble thing to do is just like use your words and like convince people and get on their side, which is like that, ideally that's how you would want to do it. But sometimes when there's disagreements and you know you stand for a greater good than this person is allowing. You have to unsheath your sword. Like you have to, you have to protect your people. Yeah, go. That's the thing too. Is people get, people get real upset over violent protests, and they're like, "This is not the way to do it. You should be doing this peacefully." Which I can see where they're coming from. But then when you have someone do it peacefully, like you have someone kneeling during a national anthem, and people are like, "That's fucking disrespectful. Like <laughs> that's the wrong way to protest." That's like, all right. So what's the right way to protest? Like if you're not good, if you can't do it violently. And you, I mean, if there's, I can't think of anything less violent than getting on a knee and just like, sitting there silent. <laughs> I mean, I understand where a lot of these people are coming from, but the fact that that infuriates people, it just, it blows right by me, dude. Dude, it right? doesn't bother me and it doesn't change my life whatsoever. Can you see their point, though? I see their point, and I think that it's a really, 
it's a really difficult thing to argue, especially when they're like, people died for this, because then their emotions are involved, because likely they have someone in their family that died for that. So it's like, I think it's definitely a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's definitely an aggressive move, if that's, but that's the, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to make change. You're trying to provoke change. So yeah, it's provocative, but that's what protest is, I feel. So I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like if someone wants to protest the flag, the flag gives them the freedom to do that. You have to, my business law professor says that even the most vile of speech, that is the speech that should be most protected, the speech that you hate the most, because you have to allow it to get out there. I feel like, like say for example, if you have if you have a large group of Nazis living in your country, I feel like I would want to let them express that because at least then you know who the Nazis are, and you just let them make themselves look stupid. Yeah, it's like people will see that, and people will see who they are versus like forcing them into into cloaking themselves and being mysterious so that you don't know if there's some sort of like uprising, you know? Right. You can't you can't just force that force that shit into the shadows because that because then it just comes out twice as strong. Dude, it's scared. Like nowadays, people are throwing that Nazi word around and that is not a word to throw around lightly. Mm. Like this whole punch a Nazi thing, like there are some Nazis. But you can't just go around calling people who disagree with Nazis. Yeah. Cause that's how you get people like you see that kid who got hit with a bike lock? No. Like, it was a professor who was, like, wearing the, like, Antifa thing at the rally, and, like, he, he, like, just hit some kid with a... Like, I see a whole bunch of people getting hurt. I ain't seen any Nazis getting punched. But then again, in Charlton, like, you allowing all these Nazis to rally in the streets, that's irresponsible as... Like, you... They, what do the Nazis stand for? They stand for segregation, and they stand for a form of hate and violent, like, repression. Mm-hmm. So you allowing them to rally in the streets alongside... Or in the in the same community as people who they're they're straight up against, that's irresponsible as like as a as a municipal organization or as a mm-hmm. as a city district. You shouldn't be able to like allow that because violence happened. People died there, you know. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think Noam Chomsky was the one who said that if you don't stand for freedom of expression for the, even the ones you hate the most, you don't believe in that right at yeah. all. And I agree with that because it, I think it's one of the most fragile rights we have. But. All in all, you need to you need to set a line. You need to, you need to foresee what violence is going to happen if you allow Nazis to rally in the streets. You know. Yeah, I think there's a great balance to it because if you there's no balance right now. I mean, not there isn't right now, but I feel like the the perfect the perfect response exists in in a balance between where we're at now. You know, like dude, just the fact that Trump's the president, I feel like the reason that's happened is just for the past like eight years. People have been like, and I mean, I'm guilty of it too, because when I identified as more liberal and more like, quote, progressive, I just, like, you you push people's ideas that you don't agree with away from you unconsciously. And I feel like, like, for the past eight years, anyone who's conservative has just been kind of disregarded to the point where they, they've been like ushered into silence. And I feel like because of that, they came back twice as strong in the form, in a form that they probably don't even, that wasn't their ideal you know, means to an end. I mean, I don't think Trump is the hero of the Republican Party, but I feel like he was their only option. And for a lot of people, he they felt like he gave, like he he pushed out that voice that they weren't allowed to, to use. You know, so I feel like that was their that was their means to escape. These past like whole, all of college for me has been like just a moving towards the center, like. 
I was always raised in a super leftist house. Like, both my parents, very liberal. But, like... You had father? Yeah. My dad? Yeah. Oh, dude, my dad's a union guy. Yeah. Like, he is Democrat to the, like, to the point he just will, will vote Democrat. Like, no matter what. Because that's what has is like, his... Talk about this shit, dude, because you like you can't just say I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican mm-hmm. and that covers all of my views because yeah. like I'm I tend to lean a little more left, but I like to have my guns. I like to hunt. And at the same time, like I want the government to keep their hands off a lot of shit. I don't think that big government is necessarily the way to go. But if someone was to ask me straight up, are you are you a Democrat or Republican? I'd probably say Democrat. I think I lean more Democrat, but I don't think I'd consider myself a full Democrat, you know, hmm. just independent, man. Just like there's there, there are some conservatives, conservative standpoints that like are reasonable, like like gun laws. You know, I stand hmm. for a lot of like protecting of rights and that's all that usually sits on the right. But I see your point because Hillary's a joke, dude. Hillary, I mean, you know, Hillary and Trump Crooked are both a joke. This, this fucking election was wild, dude. It was just a loser's game. Hmm. And I think Bernie set a precedent in, in young hearts to like. They, he instilled like some passion, some political passion again, which was cool, like a JFK type thing. But I don't know, I don't know if it, it should. It I'm hoping that that passion in our generation, the millennial generation, will last until the next election, which might include Elizabeth Warren or someone. I'm not even sure. Dude, Bernie broke my heart, man. Bernie, why? I know that everyone's like, oh, you made the right, he made the smart decision. He backed out. He made the only decision he kind of could. He would have fucking won. Against Trump, but not against Hillary, man. Hmm. The DRC, like, they they would have squashed him. They screwed him. him. Yeah, they would have squashed him. I mean, there's a record of them purposely doing it. Yeah. Like, the DNC, his own party, conspired against him. Then why bow down? Dude, he bowed down. Like, he should have been like, fuck the DNC. I think he might have reasoned with Hillary or... I don't know, man. Taking I, her money. I'm, a, I'm just a 22 year old like dude, civilian. <laughs> you know, I don't like. I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know their world, yeah. but I would assume that Bernie Sanders reasoned with Hillary, or or something like that to instill some of his ideologies in her. But I don't know. I get it. I get the whole like he made the smart decision. He wanted. He he decided that like Hillary was a lesser evil than Trump, so he he backed down. But I don't know, dude. He like just like you said, he instilled this fire in people's hearts. And then he just dropped it, man. Mm-hmm. Like it just didn't. It just something was a little fishy about that situation to me. Yeah, I read some weird shit it. about him. I feel like he didn't drop it. It was taken from him. Think so, dude. Think of dude, how he totally powerful. just let. The, he totally just. Think of how powerful the Clinton machine is. <laughs> it's like, dude, those those people are not ones to mess with. Like they they are so deep rooted in the government. They just have so much power, dude. Even the, even though Bill Clinton is no longer the president, he doesn't hold that power. But dude, they have so much money and so many so many people backing them behind closed doors. Like, think of how many. Like, if if Hillary had to wear like a jacket with all of her sponsors on it, like a NASCAR driver, she'd be she'd have so many fucking logos on that the jacket. Big dude. banks <laughs> vest. Exactly. Big dude. banks vest. I'm sweating through this shirt. Like when you're going against Hillary. <laughs> I'll join you in a little bit. <laughs> dude, like when you go against Hillary, you're also going against all the organizations that back her. So it's like, like you're literally pushing against this machine that you're supposed to be a part of. I feel like it would have been a suicidal move for his career. Dude, the power of the public, my man. 
like Bernie started people flooding politics. And that is that is beautiful. That is what we need because mm. that is what will evaporate the Clinton's power. When when every decision they make is just bathed in the sunlight of consciousness and everybody sees it for mm. what it is, then and only then will they not be able to pull the shit that they're pulling now. Yeah. I feel like it'll be different next time around <clears throat> because I don't view the Clinton machine as powerful as it once was. I feel like it's like this this decayed remnant of what it used to be. She got destroyed in this election, dude. She, there's no coming back from from how bad she got. Like she just even against Donald Trump, whom I don't think anyone really likes. I mean, there's there's a, a lot of people like Trump. there's a the people that like him, they just they get rallied behind like the I feel, I feel like they get rallied behind the energy, but like, how can, how can Hillary Clinton lose against Donald Trump? Ver, rather, how can any, how can any actual career politician lose against Donald Trump? I Nobody know, liked her, dude. Trump filled this like Trump though. It was, it was a cabinet, you know. It was like, mm. it, I'm sure Mike Pence had a had involvement in it, but yeah. it was the RNC man. They just, they just out manipulated her in the the polls that. The primaries, I mean, didn't predict anything correctly or, or accurately. It was just, it was a shit show. It caught a lot of people off guard. Mm. Regardless, I don't think, I don't think Hillary has a chance any, like, forever. No. Hillary's I feel like that was her Hillary. one chance. Dude, he beat her with that crooked Hillary. Yeah. That, he makes memes of people. Dude, Donald Trump is a memer. And when you throw <laughs> memes, it, like, sticks in people's heads. Yeah, and like, I'm not going to lie. As much as I hate Donald Trump, I really liked it. I enjoyed the ride. It was a lot of fun to, to look at him bash on Hillary because I didn't really dislike Hillary until the election when I realized how how like just creepy and manipulative their machine was because like Trump brought it to light you know dude Trump was more like Bernie Sanders than Hillary was like mm. his rallies were free like meanwhile Hillary Clinton's out there charging $600 attendance to her rallies what yeah like you have to pay to hear her talk. Whereas like Bernie Sanders and Trump are doing them in like town halls, like talking to the people. But it also goes to like what they actually stand for too. And I think, do you think that Trump stood for things more similarly than, than Hillary did to Bernie? I don't understand the question. I think when, I think I know what you're saying. Do you think that most of the principles Donald Trump embodied were more similar to Bernie than Hillary's? No, I mean like his general like election tactic. Not like his stances. I also think about that with Trump, you know where he stands on a lot of things. Whereas with Hillary, her her views on on topics change depending on who's backing her. Like she wasn't cool with gay marriage until the voter turnout would have allowed her to be cool with it. You know, until it was actually until there were more people supporting gay marriage than there were less. She was not cool with it. I mean, her and her husband signed the Defense of Marriage Act in like 1994, 95, that made it federally illegal for them to get married. And so she was on that, she was leading that bandwagon in the 90s. And then fast forward to 10 years, she's running for election. Now she's like, oh, I'm cool with that. I'm, I've always been cool with that. She never addressed how she changed her views. It was just like night and day. Dude, this so, whole thing just points to like, I love that idea that like politicians are elected followers like they just completely just bow down to public opinion because that's what's going to get them reelected. but also trump flip-flop just as much as hillary for sure trump's flip-flopping i feel like almost stemmed from a misunderstanding 
on his own part of what he was even supporting. He's just pure chaos. Yes. Like, you can't you you can't like handle the Donald. He'll <laughs> just like just spit whatever like comes out of that second, whatever he thinks is gonna woo that crowd. And they're just gonna say like remember when he was like, I could shoot someone in New York and then like in New Times Square right now and I would I wouldn't lose a single vote. Right. And he was right. He was dead right. Gordon Lewandowski, his first campaign manager, his strategy for managing Donald Trump was let Trump be Trump. That was like he was all hands off that. He told people just let him do his thing. Give him his own Twitter. Just let Trump be Trump. And that's what let him win. Because I feel like at the end of the day, people saw him as more of a genuine candidate than Hillary. They like he was running his own Twitter feed. He's like out there, regardless of like how toxic the shit he's spewing actually is, at least like he's saying it and you think that he, at least he believes it. Hillary is like, you don't know what she believes. You know what she could do. There was that one thing she said, uh She's all for legalizing marijuana through her campaign. But then there was that leaked meeting with these bankers where she was telling them, like, hey, I have to be cool with weed for the spotlight, but don't you guys worry. I'm not cool with weed. I mean, obviously... Obama did some sketchy shit like that, too, dude. Oh, yeah. He stood for marijuana. He was pro... Pro, um... What's it called? When you, when you legalize it. Pro... Was it? Pro? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he was, like, against the prohibition of it. Um, and... And then, like, when the time came to legalize it, he was, like, still not non-committal. So, that was weird. What I do love about even Hillary, to a point, Hillary, uh, Obama, Bernie, is that they were very political. They, like, held the, the, like, office of the president to, like, a certain, like, you have to, like, keep the certain esteem. You have to, like, have the nice press shirt and, like, be very quiet and, like, Obama was so suave. Oh, dude, Obama dude. was so suave. No, no man wears a suit better <laughs> in the history of ever. It just falls perfectly on him. And what a great speaker! Yeah. Oh, his his pauses were amazing. <laughs> like if you're oh, talking to me like that, like I'd be like, hurry up, like say it. But like when he's talking on the TV, it just keeps you right in the edge of your seat, and you're just waiting for what he's got to yeah. say next. Uh, in my opinion. Um, John Moss is that uh, like it's just he, he like really rattled. I don't know if that was a tactic or if that's just how he generally was because I do that all the time, especially when I'm trying to be very clear about the message you're trying to send. Like you, you just take time to make sure that you get the message across the way you want it to be heard. So I, I guess I understand that in politics, but yeah, that that's the huge difference between Obama and Trump. Obama was very well spoken. And like you said, he was suave, dude. But Trump was just like, like he just said whatever the fuck he wanted. Yeah. He just put it out there. Trump, yeah, I know. It's just kind of based down the Podcasting. Dude, on the on the topic of Trump too, Duncan Trussell said something really cool once that not even it was just hilarious. He was saying how he pictured um, Trump versus Hillary, like their pre-debate um, meetings. He pictured like like a Trump. Uh, debate prep meetings just like like him and a bunch of guys like sitting in the New York City skyscraper they're all sitting around this table they're eating cheeseburgers doing blow he's Trump's on the phone on, with his next like reality TV show deal probably talking to Vladimir Putin who knows he probably was and he's just like alright yeah yeah I gotta go I gotta go to the stupid debate thing but then Hillary's debate prep was like like you picture her in like this geodesic dome 
like surrounded by CIA agents. <laughs> They're just like, uh, we ran an analysis on Donald Trump's hair and we were able to gather the data that we feel like you should you should talk about the uh, grab by the pussy thing at this point in the conversation, that you should do a pause and then you should bring this up. If he brings this up, then you will. And she's just like robotically memorizing it like to a T. And they're just like, yeah, we also uh, pulled an analysis off of the cheeseburger crumb that fell out of his mouth. <laughs> like just so to a point and like planned out. Whereas Donald's is just like, pull the trigger, anything goes. And that really, that that looseness gives him the ability to flow with it and, and test the crowd and like, he can just roll with the situation. And it, it made him a much more versatile debater and conversationalist, conversationalist mm. than Hillary was. Because like you said, she was so, she had her points. Yeah. Yeah, she, I feel like with her views, she just had to consult people to find out what her views were before she actually told them to us. But in a way too, like, I feel like Trump is very reminiscent of Bush in that way. Like if you look at the way Bush used to do public speaking, it's so similar to Trump, man. Mm. There's just like, like when you when you catch Bush off guard, it's hilarious. Like he, if you ever watch like a clip of, of oh, Bushisms, yeah. he's hilarious, dude. Dude, he's looking back, hilarious. man, Bush is a sweetheart. <laughs> like he was, dude. Like looking back now, like he's just like such a lovable goof. Like, like, have you ever seen that that Bush drunk at a party? Like, yes. Like, like he, he does seem just like a nice guy. Like, Dude, I've seen some actual. I know what you're talking about. I've seen some clips where he's like uh, super sweet, but yeah, yeah, exactly. But he, I mean, look what his foreign policy in the Middle East yeah. look like. You yeah. know, so he can't be that sweet. <laughs> did Bush do 9 11? Uh, oh no, dude. Yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What are we doing? I feel like we should revisit this Bush did 9 11 topic after a quick break. Ladies, gentlemen, we will be back in a matter of seconds, <laughs> but we're going to take a little while. <laughs> Thank you. All right, we're back. We just talked it over briefly, and Bush did do 9-11, but it was an accident. The confirmed Wait, accident. I thought we agreed that Obama did 9-11, dude. <laughs> Wait, was it an accident for him to do it? No, it was very much planned. Obama oh, was, like, in some underground lair with, like, maps stretched across tables, like, <laughs> bringing strings from, like, push pin to push pin. <laughs> Rubik's cubes. Yeah, mm. Rubik's cubes. Dude, I watched a 9-11 conspiracy theory documentary yesterday, actually, with uh, Glenn and Jenna. 9-11 conspiracy? What was it called? Yeah. It was called The Zeitgeist. Oh! I literally was going to say that, dude. The first one? Yeah, I believe it was on... It had three major topics. It was on religion, uh, economics, and 9-11. I think I saw that. I think that was a major film that convinced Chris to leave religion. Not leave religion, but like disregard a lot of his parents beliefs mm. dude I will say like a horribly done documentary dude, <laughs> even, even for 2007 it's fucking shitty yeah. but like I'm not gonna lie I learned a lot from it there were there were a lot of good points and well I don't know if it necessarily changed my views because I I didn't really even have views to begin with I don't know fucking shit I don't have to, no, no matter how much I study it or anyone like me studies it I don't think we'll ever know so I try to just look at it with like a healthy level of skepticism, but no, I, I did like the movie. I think it brought up a lot of good points. Have you guys ever seen Engineers Against 9-11? Yeah. Dude, it's like a whole like organization of engineers who are like, 
that will do to not I'm like that. I'm like, that's a fucking explosion. Yeah, I'm like, no. <laughs> like, no, America. Dude, the thing, I think one of the things they mentioned in that documentary was that the U.S. has done, like, at least 20 false flag operations throughout the course of its history, just about on par with 9-11. What is a false flag operation? Like, basically, the U.S. faking something in order to get... Wow. Not even faking, but the U.S. putting something into motion in order to get a desired outcome. Like, the the example for 9-11 would be them faking Al-Qaeda, like, making that attack, so that they can have precedence to enter the Middle East. The U.S. do. The U.S. pushes their, like, agenda everywhere. They love just putting their little, like, pond in place. Dude, you know our track Every country does for, Every government does. Yeah, it just makes yeah. sense. Yeah, we have a pretty good It's yeah, it's like selfish. Yeah, like, it's just human nature, dude. But there's a, there's like a healthy level of selfishness to a point. Like yeah. you, you can't be totally selfless because then you won't eat. You just sacrifice everything. Yeah, you want to submit the ego as much as you can, but you also want to be confident in yourself. <laughs> you know, that's a weird balance, dude. It is. It's that push pull that like keeps it in the, like I don't know. It keeps you as a whole person. If you could only hover on one of those sides. You were eternally doomed to be on the push or pull. Which one would you choose? Uh, wait, what do you mean push or pull? From the, oh, from like, like so we were talking like a super like like uh, communal consciousness versus like literally just oh dude communal uh, singular sounds so scary. Yeah, it would be so dumb to pick that. That's like hyper neuroticism. Yeah, mm. yeah, dude, that's really what neuroticism is. It's just like hyper self like focus like. The, like, literally, mind is just turned in on itself. Yeah. That's something that I notice a lot, like, if you enter a building or something, all of a sudden you just feel how your energy levels just come inwards. Yeah. Like, the building is just right in your face. Like, your eyes aren't, like, adjusted to, like, the horizon anymore. Like, yeah. we yeah. spend our whole lives, like, even closer, like, looking at our hands, like, with our phones. Dude, we talked about that before, dude, how, how basically, like, when you're walking around outside, you have this constant, like, sphere of perception i guess where your your feelers are out there and you're grabbing for every like sight smell mm-hmm. sound like any little bit of of stimuli that you can pull in and when you walk into like a corridor you have essentially been isolated of those senses like your your world exists within that space and there's nothing further dude you remember when we were sitting in that tree and like this is when we were originally discussing this when we were like yelling at people who were going by and, like, the sober people would pick up on it, like, instantly, and they would immediately know that we were just sitting in a tree. But when you would yell at the drunk kids who were going by, like, yeah. nobody would notice. And, like, at one point, it was really funny because one girl was like, well, I think there's someone in that tree. And no one else heard it. And everyone's like, no, like, shut up. They're like, Brianna's, like, dumb as shit. And, like, she was the only one who, like, had actually heard us. <laughs> she was the one aware person in the group. And we, like, called out. And she heard us. So she's trying to get the attention of everyone else. And they're just shutting her. Yeah, she's being berated for being conscious of her surroundings. <laughs> She probably, like, had trouble sleeping that night. She's like, I know I had so hurt. She, like, came out, like, 2 a.m., like, peered up in the tree. That's funny. Dude, I want to, like, that randomly made me think of the fact that I, I want to, like, pitch a hammock really high in a tree. I feel like that, like, is a super just safe-feeling way to sleep in the woods. It's way high in the tree. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's, it's way higher. But, like, gravity is the factor, but, like, 
It's a more certain death, but like the probability of an animal getting you up there, like you might get like a raccoon in your hammock. But, like, I feel like bears can climb trees, though. Imagine like oh, you, you wake up scary. and there's a bear in the branch above you, and you have nowhere to escape because you position yourself all the way up in the fucking tree. There's a bear sleeping in the trees. You'd be surprised what a fire can do at night, though, and like keep an animal mm-hmm. away or something like that. Or fire like, is danger. Damn, dude. Yeah, dude, we've gone skydiving, and that was an insane like adrenaline rush. But literally like, was dwarfed in comparison to when, like, Chris and I heard that bear, like, like, couple, ten, like, 50 feet away from us, like, in the woods, in just hammocks. Like, like, that was, that was nothing like I've ever experienced before. It was just sheer, just, like, in your, in the pure moment, like, there was no thought of anything else. Did you get a visual on it at all? Never got a visual. No? No. But, uh, dude, the sound like haunts my dreams of just like the heavy like hit, like thump of its feet as it jogged across the open field, and then you just heard the grunt of every footfall. It was like <sighs> as it jogged across, and Chris was like falling asleep, and he just shot up, and he's like, "Dude, bear!" And we just literally were just I was scrambling around in my hammock like looking for the flashlight because it was like wrapped in my sleeping bag somewhere. And we were just screaming, get out of here, bear. Get out of here, bear. Dude, skydiving was crazy, but there's nothing like that. <laughs> that good old survival mode, dude, like, that whole getting eaten, that shit will get you going. Yeah, dude, I, I got to say I totally agree. I mean, I've never gone skydiving, but I can only, I, I remember being in situations like that where you're unsure of what's around you. I mean, I've never like been 100% certain that there was a bear in front of me. But even even like when we were in the cabin in Maine a couple like like a month ago, and we heard those coyotes around us, that was like not was really fun. as scary as a bear would be. But the adrenaline rush you get from that, from hearing yeah. them like closing in on you and they're just running around you, it it's terrifying, but it it makes you alive, dude. It really does. Yeah, it does. When I was peeing, I could feel like four of them just coming in on me. It was like the creepiest fucking feeling. Dude, it's those feelers going out there. You can just feel the thing. It's almost there. like it's just one organism, too. They're all like working together. Yeah. It's weird, man. It's weird. You can just feel them communicating out there. Yeah. And they can see you and you can't see shit, dude. I know. That's weird. I didn't even see eyes or anything either. I saw eyes. Really? I saw one like run across the yard. So. And then Chris was sleeping outside, wasn't he? Andrew. Oh, Andrew, yeah. In the tent. And we were like, Andrew, there's coyotes. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like that's yeah, all right. He's in a tent. He like just had this most ball sense of scary. <laughs> I know. There's a thin layer of cloth between me and my surroundings. <laughs> Don't worry, dude. But I was, I'm actually like reading like Carl Jung's just like personal writings, and he like trekked across Africa, and he talks about how Ed Carl Jung did. Yeah, wow. Like with a bunch of other people and like guys, but dude, it took like months for them to do it because yeah. it was way back in the day. So, like, they camped on top of this mountain, and he says at night you just hear, like, lions and jaguars and hyenas, like, around the fire. Like, never mind, like, a couple coyotes. Like, <laughs> you could just, like, stomp on a coyote. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's like, that's something that'll just run out of the woods and just take you away from the fire. Oh, my God. Dude, cat, big cats are scary. Like, going yeah. up here or something and just, like, looking up and there's, like, a lion. Wow. <laughs> that's another ballgame. A little bit, yeah. Dude, your brain is just ready. Like, I don't know, just like, it's like a, not a give up sense, but it's just like, it understands like the getting eaten, like, experience very well, because that's happened for a long time. Right. 
Dude, I heard that um, when bulls, like buck in the whole like, bull riding thing, when they're trying to like throw a human off, that's an evolutionary adaptation of, of them adapting to big cats and just learning how to toss them off. Like that is, that is their knee-jerk reaction to something being on top of them because typically they have to launch a cat off. That makes sense. Like a lion or something. That makes Whoa. sense. Oh, It's just like trying to dislodge a like kick from Get off me, get yeah, off like, me. Or just like one coming up from the back, dude. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's super cool. And people are just like, let's see how long I can ride on that for. <laughs> dude, people are so fucking bronco. Humans are like, we just do shit for no reason. Like, we're not trying we're to so bored. <laughs> like, Yo, you think you can ride that? Yeah, probably. I'll try. We have just all the time in the world to just try all this different shit just just for shits and giggles. The that's running of the bulls, dude, that's that's unbelievable. Dude, we were just watching videos all the day. Really? Yeah. yeah. People getting fucked up. Yep. It's yeah. insane, man. It is, man. It is. Like the it's just like the bull is just absolutely freaking out. It doesn't know what to do. <laughs> How far is it? I don't know, it's at least a mile. They ran at least a mile. Yeah, we're only a mile too. They're like streets. <laughs> they do, I'm pretty sure they just kill them. They do. They just kill them. Yeah. Dude, and it's funny because we were saying like, I would, that's fucking dumb. Like, why would you ever do that? But I just was picturing if that was a cultural norm here in America, we're like, yeah, running with the bulls, like comes to your town once a year. And like, everyone does it. Like, dude, we do stupid shit all the time. I, if, if they told you like, yo, running with the bulls, Bridgewater, Massachusetts, 2018. Are you going? I'd be like, I'll probably be there. there. <laughs> like, just because the energy, like, that's just such a crazy thing. Imagine that. Like, Holbrook running with the Bulls. Oh, Holbrook would wear, would be where it went down. <laughs> if it was if it was coming anywhere near us, Holbrook would be the town that just let that slide. <laughs> Dude, do you know what do you know what Holbrook's doing right now? They literally voted in this like state of the art like trash or it's, I don't know if it's trash or shit. It's called the solid waste transfer station. Shit. Yeah, it's so it is shit. And it's like state of the art, like everything's gonna be so like high tech and you won't be able to smell anything. Dude, it's a fucking bait and switch. And there's like mad flyers going around the town, like people have been protesting. Like there's law put into place because there's just going to be a, like, shit transferring station in Holbrook. Like, it's, and, like, you will be able to smell it from my doorstep. <laughs> like, Holbrook is just going to, like, truly embody, like, what it is at its, like, heart. That's <laughs> so funny. Oh, man. Dude, but it's just fucked up. Like, we look at, like, these big, like, topics, like Trump and Hillary and these giant elections, but there's, ha- there's, there's shit happening right in our back door. Like right in our backyard, rather. In in I'm sorry, did you say in Massachusetts or in the whole country? Dude, within your town. Oh yeah. Like shit happens, and that is where you have a voice. Yeah, and in, I'm glad that people are protesting that too because you want, you have the right to like do that, and you have the power to like prevent that from happening. It's that selfishness, dude. It's like I get that you need that, but I don't want that near me. Yeah. Hmm. And you have every right to say that. Yeah. Are we good? Yeah, yeah, I'm just running out of storage space. So it's funny how even if you have the right to say that and you have the masses to say no to it, like, money can still trump all of that. You know? Money moves mountains, dude. Right. It truly does now. We were talking, dude, this is always a topic we get on. Money. Money. Put that mountain's on the back line. Call on your screen. That's my, that's my background. Say what? Yeah. What is this operating system? Sierra. Uh, Sierra. Is that that must be the name of the movie? Sierra. Yeah, it's the Sierra Nevada. That's okay. To the right is Mount Whitney. It's like the tallest mountain in the world. Forty-eight. 
Dude, you know what's funny about the name of this software? So Apple has always been, well not always, but like for a long time now, they've been naming their softwares after places in California. So like, uh, it was like Cupertino, Sierra, um, Mavericks, and they totally like broke the chain with this next one. They just called it High Sierra. Mm. High Sierra Extreme. <laughs> High Sierra. Dude, during the keynote, the guy that was speaking about it, he was like, and I promise you, it's fully baked. I'm waiting for any weed puns. I'm waiting for the iOS Cucamonga. <laughs> <laughs> that lady coming over in down the driveway, that was like a story to remember. That was that, that's something that's like yeah. better than writing in a book. Like what she said, like what she offered us, that was so cool. So I brought these giant speakers to Maine, and I was just jamming Grateful Dead, like so loud, not even thinking that we had neighbors directly across the street. And these things are loud, like next level loud. And I was just playing this one particular song by Grateful Dead called The Pride of Cucamonga. We actually played ourselves out with it on the very, on episode 001. But this lady, Rachel, just wanders down the driveway holding the shot golf balls, too. Oh, and we were literally just <laughs> whacking golf balls, like not even thinking, like right into the lady's yard. And then she she just rambles down the driveway, like with a thing of tomatoes. And then she goes, Hey, boy. And she's like, I had never heard Proud of Cucamonga coming over these hills. <laughs> and it was like, it was just awesome that she just sniped the Grateful Dead song right off the bat. And then she's like, oh, and uh, I got something of yours. And she just took out the golf ball. And at that moment, it was like, oh, like, we fucked up. We're like, wrong. But she, at, and with the other hand, was like a peace offering of tomatoes. Yeah. And we all sat around. They're delicious. Just, we just ate them, like, r- like literally right away. <laughs> we didn't save those fuckers at all. We ate them all in the hour. That's we what tomatoes are you. Like, we, we were not in a position where we should have been talking to anyone other than ourselves because we had been smoking and drinking all day. So, so I mean, but, dude, she's a main resident. She probably has been, too. <laughs> but she was super nice, and that's the best way to handle it. I mean, I, that's, that's the thing. Like, around our area, I feel like if you were doing – if I were hitting golf balls out of my fucking front yard right now and they were landing in the neighbor across the street's driveway, the cops would be here in five minutes. There would be no question. Dude, people handle shit differently up there. One time, Vinny and I were on a boat on the Grove Lake, and there was these people there, and they were just like, came out of their car, and they had golf balls. They just like, put them down. <laughs> like, we were like, oh, they're about to start shooting golf balls. And then they were all like, laughing and pointing at us. And then all of a sudden, they just kept hitting golf balls at us. And we were like, oh my God, they're going, they're hitting them at us. And we literally were just like, rowing like, away as fast as we possibly could. They were landing like, right around us too. Oh my God, that's terrifying. Dude, Vinny and I spent a lot of time on that Grove Lake. If there's something in there, we've caught it. <laughs> Dude, I want to get a boat for this house that we can take out on Carver Pond. I have one, but I don't know if you have to register. It's a rather large boat. Okay. It's a 10 foot crawdad. Are there largemouth in Doug Rose Lake? Oh, dude, yeah. Really? People pull the biggest fish I've ever seen out of that lake. What? Because they're all mutated. Dude, I literally, something like, not too, like, two days ago, I was talking to this guy, like, on, he was fishing over there, and he was like, he's like, I watched a guy pull a seven-pounder out of this lake the other day. I was like, seven-pounder? Wow. Dude, you're lucky you grew up. I know it was, like, polluted and stuff, but, like, it's, it's really pretty. Dude, no, it is. It's a good spot. Dude, I've I've, like, been offered such a, like, grassroots like just like childhood 
like like living like connected with my grandparents like having like chickens and just like eat like always eating those eggs like my grandpa and my dad hunted my whole life so like there's always like come hunting season there's a deer hanging upside down like on a tripod in the backyard and they're just like literally cutting it open and just pulling the guts out like i'm exposed to that from like the get-go so i'm like yeah like that's just where food comes from like we kill and we eat or, or like we, we don't you don't eat it out of the, the grove lake but if you go to like even like the way reservoir on fish like we used to literally like pull them out and then you just you like bring a quad in with the grill and you just fillet it and eat it right there dude like it, it's really been like a gift to grow up like that mm. yeah i like that i i think given the choice and obviously i'm super biased because i've grown up my entire life in woodsy areas but i just have such a love for that dude i don't think i i don't think i would be nearly the same person at all if i grew up in a city no, you'd be removed from it, dude. Removed from, like, <clears throat> those survival instincts. Yeah, I'd be totally uncomfortable in the woods. This is, like, a good opportunity to talk about what I, like, wanted to talk about before. Well, how I told you guys on the little break. Before I Bush did 9-11. Before, <laughs> way before Bush did 9-11. Before Obama did 9-11. But I want to talk about how, like, as an individual, you have to be acquainted with, like, your dark, your dark side and your ability to, like, do evil. And I feel like both of you guys are like more in touch with your shadow than the average person. And it like doing so like pushes you to do good more because you see those, like you see how you could do evil. Absolutely. Dude. It's like how the, uh, the Nazis, when you, when they interviewed them afterwards, especially the ones working in concentration camps, they were like, how could they have done this? Like, how could, how could they have possibly gotten behind this? Because, it, they're people. People are capable of true evil, especially if that's the only opportunity they're given. So you have to be able to realize in yourself that if you were growing up in that time, you probably would have been, if, like if you were located in that area and you were, you know, white, uh, Catholic, or not, not Catholic, um, what was like the Aryan view? Baptist. Baptist. Yeah, if you fit into that category, you likely would have been a Nazi. And not because you're Oh, I thought you meant, like, white, like, I thought you meant, like, KKK. I don't know what they were. Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter. Whatever label, whatever god they love. Um, Just, you have to be able to identify that you as a human are capable of that. Because it it makes you truly realize what you are. Like, you have to, you have to be able to admit that. Like, if you, if you say, like, oh, there's no way that I would have been susceptible to that. Like, I would have seen past it and I would have fought for the good. That's very hopeful, I think. You know, it's easy to preach, like to to see your shadow and all that. But, bro, what do you mean by like? So if, if you're if you're aware of your shadow, does that make it easier to go the other direction? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. What if being what if being aware? I'm just playing devil's advocate, but like, what if being aware of your shadow, um, is like entices you in that direction? Like, what? Like what? Is, does it help reason away? Like, are we naturally inclined to reason away from that that shadow? I, I really hope so. I hope that like to be human is to be good and to recognize the bad. And what is, and what is the shadow? Just absolute bad. Mm-hmm. It's like it's that part of you that reaches like straight to hell. That part of you that's capable of pure evil with like no absolute care for that other person or whatever you're doing harm to. And, like, when you realize that, that like, if you were raised in Nazi Germany, like, you could have been a Nazi. And you could have been, like, a pretty brutal one. 
And like, once you realize that, you can be like, oh shit, I'm a law, I'm a loaded weapon. And like, I have to like watch my actions, especially mm -hmm. around other people. And like, even like little kids, dude, like, like parents who don't think of this shit, don't see themselves as the like danger that they are. Like that is, you're a pure power over a child. Mm -hmm. And like, you have to like be conscious of how dangerous you can be to them. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I feel like as as you accept that ability and as you're able to identify the evil in yourself, making yourself more conscious of that makes it easier to, to stay away from that because that's just part of your instincts, I feel. Like, not not your instincts, but that's that's part of, like, your ape problem solving. You know, like, like, at the end of the day, you're just doing things that are best for you or what you think is best for you in maybe your family. So... If you can have that, I guess it's almost a level of emotional intelligence of being aware of what you are capable of, then you can at least steer yourself in the direction that you want to go in and not that you think you have to go in. That's my opinion. And you can be totally disingenuous too with, with how, like you can, you can say, you can look at like myths, like Jordan Peterson has talked about this in Carl Jung, but he's, they've also like put myths in these like ancient story tales to the test. And, and all of them, the heroes are like this good-natured guy and this person who like stands for stands for everybody. So what if you're an evil person deep down, but you want, you're intelligent enough to see that like in order to succeed in life and to in order to gain a following, you you are disingenuinely nice to everybody and you, you rise. You know what I'm saying? Like a genuine fraud. A genuine fraud, man. Exactly. And so what if you rise to the occasion in like? And you end up like you do have a greater good, but you you you're, the only cause of it, the only motivation of it is just to climb to a socioeconomic like extreme. So what if you did all that, gained the following, you brought civilization up behind you, like to a to a reasonable or to a more prosperous position? And is that still a good thing? You know, I'll stop you there because we just stopped recording because of this place. So let me see where we left off, and we can. I'll leave some shit real quick, and then we'll try to pick up where it's. Do you want my external hard drive? Um, I shouldn't need it. There are definitely some things I can get rid of. Dude, I think should I go on or no? Sure. I think that like what we're really asking is like about what we're really asking is like does intention matter in an action? And how far does that go? Like, does it matter if that like outwardly the action is good, or does it matter if like it has to be motivated by a good inner like? Right. I'm like, honestly, I don't fucking know the answer to that question. I, I will never in my life be able to tell you that answer to that question, but we can all talk about it and try to find a good answer. Yeah, that's a, that's a deep subject. A deep ass subject. We just conjured that up ourselves. Yeah. That's cool. Dude, that is, that is like, honestly, we, I've like talked about that in class with, with teachers. Yeah. I, I fucking love philosophy, dude. Yeah, people are like shit on philosophy, but I, I love that major. People just don't like it because it's too hard. Well, it's, it's really not, not that hard. It's it's hard to the extent that the biggest questions can't be answered. That's fucking hard to grasp and swallow them. But yeah, philosophy, what is philosophy though besides like answering abstract questions about the universe? It's or, realizing that you don't know shit. That like, and that's dude. Like, it's like um, it's like I don't know. I think it's Socrates. Yes, it was Socrates. He um, he went to the Oracle. And he's like, who's the wise? Like, he just like started a question on this. He's like, who's the wisest person in, in Greece? And it's like you. 
because you know that you don't know. It's like everybody else thinks that they got it down. They're like, oh, dude, I'm like, I'm a lord. Like, I know. I Like, what I say is right. Whereas he's like, what do I know? And that, like, not knowing and asking the question is what makes you wise because you're, like, out there searching for the answer. And it's giving everybody the opportunity to be that person, too. It's like letting everybody have the availability to that. That's cool. Dude, I, I truly and earnestly hope with my whole soul that to be human is to be good. It's like, why would you think otherwise, you know? How could, how can you be a human and think otherwise? Why are you fucking being good then? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta love this, man. You gotta love each other. Even if you don't like things in the other people, you still have to love them. That's, that's how we go. That's just what it is, dude. You gotta tolerate it. Yeah. And it goes back to, like, the whole, like, letting people, the First Amendment stand for your worst enemies. That's important, dude. That's what that's exactly like, it ties right back into itself, dude. Yeah, that's like one of the most important parts of America. I think is the first amendment. It's like the most one of the most beautiful things, dude. It's so like like how you said though, like how can you stand for Nazis, like mm. like just rioting in the center, like but like when if they apply for permits and do it peacefully, like I can't say anything. I really can't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> The town just has to say, like, is this a public safety hazard? It's, like, probably. <laughs> mm. So, like, yeah. So throw some cops there, dude. Like, throw some bodies. Throw some Nazi cops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The GoPro rides on. Oh, was that recorded? Oh, yeah. I'm really? having a great time. Dude, that was a good discussion. Oh, dude, we, we, keep we, lost, we lost a lot, unfortunately. And we're back. Done well. Hey guys, a couple more technical difficulties. We lost a lot of stuff. So we're going to... You'll hear that, but you'll hear it through the camera. Uh, yeah, the yeah. camera audio. We're just going to post the camera audio in there. It should be fine. Yep. Sorry, guys. All right. I don't even remember what we were talking about. We were talking about good and evil and shit. <laughs> good and evil and other shit. It's like yeah. the most profound thing ever. Yeah. No, yeah. Brian and I were talking about how like we really, really hope that people are like entirely good at, <laughs> at their hearts. But whether we can actually say that, I don't know. Because, like, look at shit like yeah. Vegas. Like, this dude just, for no reason, just most people. That, dude, innocent people. Mm. Also, though, if those people were sober, dude, they would have been much more efficient at getting out of there. <laughs> like, just like when we were, like, yelling at the people You're in the right. trees, dude. It's fucked up to say, but, like, it, it's not wrong. You know? Like, <laughs> There's a lot of like Dude, a lot of variables to take into place. That was the thing that blew my mind is when when they heard the shots ringing out. I gotta say, like probably eighty percent of the people just dropped down. And I, like, if that were me, and I would like to think that I would be running out on all fours. But, it, but, but you, like, don't, you know don't know how know you it's react. gunfire from like you just hear like like you think it's in the distance, like in the city. Yeah, you don't even know you know where so, you're shot at. Yeah, exactly. And the you dude just know. ran off stage. Like, you're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Like, do you think that it was a good move, not him not saying anything? Like, do you think that if he induced a panic, it would have been worse? Like, if he was like, gunman, run! <laughs> the gunman just runs. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, like, I don't know. That could, dude, maybe, like, 100 people would have died, like, from a stampede. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> gunman, run! We should oh, just, it just get, get caught everybody off guard, man. Like, there's no way you can predict that. There's no way you can fathom it in the first, like, 
20, 30 seconds of it. Mm. Unless like some people are getting mowed down next to you and you're like, what? And then you're putting like two and two, like an off distance mm. gunfire with like slaughter in the immediate area. I don't know. It's it's confusing. I understand. And you're in a group of like 300 people. Or no, not more even. More than that, dude. dude. Yeah, I mean like in your immediate area, like you're mm. just like squished together. I don't know. There's nowhere you can like efficiently get. <laughs> yeah, there's you can't just run through like a sea of people, dude. No. No. Especially when they're trying to do the same thing. It's wild. When they're drunk and just like completely grounded where they're just like, where are you going, dude? <laughs> where are you going, dude? <laughs> what, do you not like music? It's <laughs> super insane. country music, bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we shouldn't be laughing, bro. We should just it's... like get a little segment called Brett Offends Everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Dude, in any... In any circumstance, in any tragedy, no matter how dire, you have to leave room for people to cope with comedy. Mm. I feel like that's essential. People cope with laughter and comedy, I feel like, more than any other method. Because, dude, it's, like, it fucking is scary that some dude was able to just do that. Like, not only that he was physically able to do it, but that he allowed himself Mm. to just get to that place. Yeah. And, like, it just makes you, like, feel how real it is. It does. Dude, do you know what that makes me really think of is how how real it is being on the highway. Like, we have such a bubble of security yeah. around us, dude. But, like, you are just – you, like, drive and you just look at the railing and, like, there's, like, a cross there. Some guy just <laughs> died there. Mm. And you're I, like, I'm just – I'm like, dude, it's real out here. Like, <laughs> I got to pay attention. Mm. <laughs> dude, anything could happen. You're literally putting yourself in a high-velocity <laughs> missile. It's got explosives in it. And you're just like barreling down, like controlling it with your shitty fallible like human senses. Yeah, like texting, maybe you're a little stoned, like fuck. And we just give ourselves this ability. Like it's you're literally driving a torpedo, is what you're doing. Yeah, the crosses are legit, man. We don't talk about that enough. How crosses are on the side of the road. Everywhere, dude. <laughs> like, I know. Every like dangerous intersection. You're like, whoa, this is a sketchy intersection. It's like lined with like like just live you know, dude like, if you were ever walking somewhere like and you you came across like a clearing that's filled with just crosses you'd be like oh this is a bad place like i gotta get out of here this is a this is a death zone but it, you're literally driving on it every day like you, wherever you go you probably see at least one or two crosses they're like wreaths on the side of the road people just remembering someone that died on that road yeah dude it's crazy how like cops are like the predators of that wilderness out there and, like, anything goes until, like, there's a stady, like, parked on the side of the road. Then everyone's going the speed limit. Everyone's, like, mm. paying attention, giving the person space in front of them. Like, the enforcers. Exactly. And it's, like, all of a sudden the thing just, like, launches and gets somebody. And you're, like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. it could have been me. Like, <laughs> it's, like, you're, you're just, like, a stampede of, like, antelopes. And there's just one, like, lioness, like, sitting in the brush. And it's just looking like watching them <laughs> yeah, all they just get by. one of you dude and then boom like it just picks one I out know. and gets and behind they just it. Rob you. <laughs> <laughs> dude do you know what's insane is that like at the like end of every like legal offense is death like the, that's the whole thing is like if you don't pay this parking ticket then like you'll have to pay a big fine and if you don't pay that big fine like you're gonna go to jail and like if you don't go like if you only go to jail for a little bit then you're gonna go to jail for like a long time and then like mm. what's after that if you still don't comply yeah, like, like everything is ultimately enforceable by death if you look at it that way, I suppose. It's like the ultimate gang. It is. 
it, I mean, you have to have some matter to enforce everything, I guess. But like, there, it's crazy how like a parking ticket could spiral into you being locked into a box because you just put your car somewhere where you was deemed not like. Yeah. It's weird. We did a um, in my business law class. We did a court case on on um, the legality of of a cop having your car towed and not letting you know and then how soon they could crush your car and what you're like what you're liable to pay if you don't take care of it before it's too late and what is actually liable to happen to you if you don't take any steps and you just like let the the tickets and the fees build up it was a really interesting discussion i mean i'm not going to do it any justice here but like basically the main argument was if if a cop tows your car must they inform you that they did it and and if they inform you what actions are you required to take or what should you take and basically like they they find that no there doesn't have to be any notice like they they can tow your car but they don't have to tell you that you just have to figure it out for yourself and figure out where it got brought to dude do you remember that time like we thought that your car got towed and yeah. we were literally just calling like we had no idea that we the car didn't get towed but like we had just like got a little lost, and we thought that it was the, the same street, but it was a different street. But we were just calling, <laughs> we were just, call, we were just calling different tow yards, and like, dude, they leave you nothing. nothing. Like it's like, oh, my car is gone. Did it get stolen? <laughs> is, was it legally towed? Like I don't know. Where was it legally towed to? Yeah, yeah I, like we're in Springfield. Like we don't know Springfield. Yeah, I know that was wild, dude. Calling like three or four different like. Uh, tow companies or whatever and they're all like no man we don't have your car here. And you, you're just like bouncing around and then you finally you have one and he's like yeah like and then gives you like a ridiculous sum of money mm. that luckily didn't happen it was just like the next street over oh, <laughs> it just dude, looked identical to, to the one that we were looking at my Stupid. my car got towed and they didn't they got towed on campus and they didn't tell me well then they never informed me and they weren't planning to and i went looking for it like a week later and it was gone so i called the police they were like yeah we had it towed and they gave me the number for the tow company and the tow company's like yeah it's been here for a week so it's a 35 dollars fee every night that it's here and also every day compounding into this uh in addition to that you're gonna have to pay the uh, tickets which mind you i got the tickets appealed but like they just never put the paperwork through so it was actually a clerical error on bsu's part but ultimately ended up in my car getting towed dude it cost me 500 dollars to get it out of the tow yard that day and if i didn't take it out that day it was going to be impounded so I like from the moment I found out about it, they were like, "Yeah, it's here, and you also have to get it by today." In the middle, it was also a snowstorm, dude. So I had to schlep to this like tow yard, somehow like come up with this sum of money, pay them, and then I fought BSU for like a month trying to get the money back. They they just kept like fighting me on it, and eventually I did get it back. But it was such a, it was such a hassle, dude, for no reason. You know, when it gets impounded, do you buy it back at the same price from the police department, or do you have to like wait for know. an auction of some sort? I have no idea, but I wasn't looking to find out. GoPro bad. Yeah, whatever. But, dude, the, the other thing, too, that you reminded me of when you were talking about how you forgot where you parked the car, uh, my dad actually told me this funny story once on how um, this state trooper, he he was a canine officer because my dad worked primarily in canine, and I guess this guy, you know, parked his car, parked his cruiser with, a, with the dog in it, and he just goes inside to this coffee shop, grabs a coffee donut, whatever, and he comes out and the car's gone and he's like oh fuck like 
like my cruiser's gone and he, he radios and he's like like uh stolen cruiser like well like you know whatever he gives the the location and they have cops out like dude they're they're thinking someone stole this cruiser there's guns in it the dog's in it he's like the dog's gone everything like they they have everything and they're like are you sure it's stolen he's like yes like i left it right here and it's gone so dude they send a bunch of sadies down they're all like investigating looking for it and they find it like the parking lot was this ever so gradual hill and it was all the way at the bottom of this hill in the woods dude he didn't put the he didn't put it in park he must have like left it in neutral and the cruiser running rolled down the hill with the with the dog in it and everything and just like it didn't crash but it just like rolled into the woods like just into the cover of the trees dude and they couldn't find it and this whole time he's like like they're thinking worst case scenario they probably have like helicopters in the sky at this point looking for this thing when it's just like the stupid mistake of of one person wow that's mad funny and you don't think of the, about that typically being something that happens to a cop but dude they're liable for the same shortcomings that all humans are oh absolutely dude we all make mistakes every day mm-hmm. and you just gotta like just like watch the mistakes you make and just make them less yeah absolutely yeah This has been a lot of fun so far. It has. Oh, we, we've experienced a couple technical errors. I hope we didn't lose too much because this is a really fun one. Dude, yeah. whatever we lost, we'll just put in the camera audio. Sure. It's going to sound shitty, but. This is like by and far our largest one, our longest one yet. Mm. Really? Yeah. Dude, thanks for having me. This was this was fun. It was cool to like be, <laughs> be under a camera. And like like I said, we were talking about earlier, like being able to go back and criti- criticize yourself and. Mm. I don't know. It's, it's cool. It's a cool opportunity. And, like, be vulnerable to, like, other criticisms, too. Mm. No one wants to be in that position, but, like, putting yourself there is cool every once in a while. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, even if, even if like, you had this huge point during the podcast and it might be totally wrong, I, l- I would love to have the opportunity for someone to, whatever, like, leave a comment or something and just, like, start that conversation because it's cool to learn from that, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And, like, not conversation is like an art you like directing it being like an observer to it letting it flow like with you guys you know it's it's really cool mm. it's really cool keep doing what you're doing yeah honestly dude like so far we've been having a lot of fun making these podcasts like we're just dipping our feet in the water and at, like as you can see it's a work in progress like we're really learning as we go but i can't think of anything that i've ever had more fun doing and like falling over completely every time only to you know pick ourselves back up and learn from it and it never even it never takes away from how much fun we truly have doing it like Mm. these these things are so much fun to make honestly i love it dude dude we grind for this shit but we it truly i love it like just Mm. going back watching them like even just like being here and like just having a reason to just sit down and just like shoot the shit. Sit down, have yeah. a couple beers, shoot the shit, take a smoke break or something, whatever. Dude. It's a lot of fun. Oh, and no matter how many mistakes we make, like the people are like, they love it, dude. And it's like, it's so nice. Cause like, we're like, you think that it's like, oh shit, like the cameras died. And like, <laughs> we like, it went black a couple times during the video. Like you think people would just like tune out, but like people stick with us, they bear with us. And like, that's what it's all about, dude. dude I people love it. actually listen. They do, yeah, and and it's super cool to be able to bring like different people on every time. Like I feel like every episode, my mind's just blown with like how cool the guest was, and, and we've only had three guest episodes <laughs> so far. <laughs> it's just like a roller coaster, dude, and it's it's a blast to be on no matter what. Dude, dude this shit is just as much like for our, like 
me for me and for you for you. Cause like we gain so much out of that. And like when you know you have a podcast later, like you want like you you do watch your shit. You're like, oh man, like can't do that. Like got a podcast on a bit, like, oh, I'm gonna go for a run. Like, I got a podcast later. Like mm. it is nice. It's a good you like put this on a resume too. I'm yeah, like, you the can. organization of this. Like if I was thinking about like Dorama or like any any figure like that to like be like, yo, can you be here at eight? We'll start a podcast at eight thirty, we'll go for an hour. Like, do you mind doing that? And I'm sure like a lot of adults wouldn't mind doing that. Or professors or mm. something like that, man. That that's a cool dude. I can't wait to take it to that field yeah, to make dude. it like into a little bit more like professional, like intellectual conversation with someone about their field. Dude, that's cool. Yeah, because right now, dude, we we've been coming at the people with like the heavy hitter lineup, like right out of the gates. It's like just our boys, like the fun <laughs> episodes, and like we're gonna <laughs> dive into the more serious things. But like we've had some serious fun yeah. these first four. I gotta say, we really have. Honestly, it, it's such a pleasure. And like, again, Brian, dude, thank you so much for coming on because you were someone that we really wanted to have on here. And it just it like, just fell into place, dude, because we yeah. were like, who are we going to have on next? And then you're like, yo, coming home this weekend. It's like Brian episode, dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude, thank it you guys. warms our heart to have uh, yeah, to have you here, honestly. Thank you, man. For real. That's dude, awesome. glad you were one of the dude, first ones. Thank you, dude. Thank you. I'll be back in November as well, like Thanksgiving. I'll be down to do it again. Man. Thanksgiving. Fuck yeah. Mm. Keep it up, dude. Episode. Keep it up, both of you. Keep it up. This is cool. Hell yeah. Thank you both hey. so much. And thank you, viewers. If you're still here, <laughs> you are absolutely a homie. It's been a <laughs> <run>. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I guess that's about it. Thank you all for tuning in. Brian, thank peace. you so much for coming. Brett, peace out. Drew, been a pleasure, my friend. <laughs> the three-way handshake. <laughs> <laughs> the trifecta. Episode peace. four in the book. Books. <laughs>